If you want to open your Bibles this morning to Mark chapter 2, we'll have the scriptures up on the screen, but some of you want to open your Bible and follow. You wondered, well, Brother Fred, are, are you ever going to get to preach? Yep, right now. Well, how long are you going to preach? The, only the Lord knows. But anyway, I want to talk to you about my prayer and vision for this church. And it's amazing where God gave it to me from. It's not even talking about the church. Pentecost had not yet occurred. But in a miracle that Jesus performed, we have an awesome picture of the church that this, I want this fellowship to be, God wants it to be, and is the desire of our heart. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Put those on the screen if you would, please. You know, in Matthew 16, Jesus uh, asked the disciples, well, who do men say that I am? And they said, some say you're Jeremiah, some Isaiah. But he said, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, uh, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. And he said, Peter, upon your confession of faith, upon the confession of faith that I am the Messiah, the son of the living God, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I love it. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And then over in Peter, it says, describing the church, it said, you came to Jesus as a living stone. And now you as living stones are being built in a, to a holy temple of the Lord, that you may show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into the light. The church is not a building. The church meets in the building. The church belongs to Jesus. He purchased it with his blood. And you, as Christ lives in you, you're the church wherever you go, whoever you encounter. If Christ lives in you, you're the church in action wherever you are. Now, what about the church, uh, the vision that God has given me? Let's read these verses together. And I want to go back and show you how this is a picture of a church that pleases God. And for, verse 1. And again, he entered Capernaum after some days. And it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, listen to this. Immediately. Many gathered together, so there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door, and he preached the word unto them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic, carried by four men. And when they could come near, when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was, so that when he had so that when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sin but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, 
He said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to this paralytic, your sins are forgiven or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. And immediately he rose, took up the bed and went out of the presence of them so that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. Now, as I look at this passage, there are six things that are my vision that God has given me for this body of believers. And it is my prayer. Here's the first one. It is the awareness and the manifestation of the presence of Jesus Christ in our midst. I want you to look at that first verse. And man, I I tell you, when I saw it, I said, man, this is what I want to, to know. And again, he entered Capernaum after some days, listen to this, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, when word got out that Jesus was in the house, the multitudes came. They ran the house over. They crowded around the house. People were everywhere. Listen, why did they come? Well, they said, well, it's a new house. No, it's a parade of homes. No. You know why they came? They heard that Jesus was in the house. And can I tell you something? When people hear that Jesus Christ is in his church, you know, they'll come because they want to be where Jesus is. You know, I pray that throughout the city of Mobile, this is what people will say. You know, Jesus is in the house at Luke 418 Fellowship. He's there. You go there and you encounter Jesus in a real and wonderful way. Listen, if Jesus is not going to be here, I don't want to be here. But if he's here, then you and I want to be here. You know, it amazes me how people get all the reasoning and logic and all this stuff. Well, you got to do this to get a church to grow and you got to do that. And they won't come at this time and they won't come at that time. Let me tell you something. I know this to be true. When Jesus Christ is present in a place, people are drawn there and they'll come no matter where it is and what time it is. Jesus is in the house. Listen, I want everybody in Westmobile to know, listen, you want to meet God? You want to encounter Jesus? You want to be delivered? You want to be saved? You want to be healed? You want to be set free? Let me tell you, you can go to Luke 418 at 2664 Solly Road, and you can have an encounter with Jesus because Jesus is in the house. Why should we ever live? You say, Brother Fred, it's all about location. Listen to me. The Brooklyn Tabernacle in the worst part of New York City. All they, you know what their congregation was around them and there were, there were crack houses and cheap hotels. They were surrounded by prostitutes and drug addicts. It got so bad that Jim Cimbala's wife who directs the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir said, honey, we, we can't stay here. We're going to lose our children. But you know what? They just started praying. And you know what? God showed up. And Jesus Filled the house. Now on a Tuesday night, there'll be 1,500 people on their knees praying. People come early 
in the midst of that part of town so they can be in a prayer meeting. Let me tell you something, friend. This building is in vain. And all that we do is in vain unless there is an awareness of the presence of God in this place and that Jesus is alive in our midst. I never will forget years ago, I went to visit a man who had come to Cottage Hill the day before on Sunday. Knocked on the door and he came to the door in his Bermuda shorts and it was obvious this man wasn't shy. He started talking as soon as he opened the door. And he said, you know, I hadn't been to church in 15 years. I said, really? He said, yeah, when I came yesterday to Cottage Hill, that's the first time I'd been in 15 years. I said, well, why did you come? He said, well, my grandmother raised me and she's about to die. And I don't know how to deal with her sickness. And I don't know how to deal with her death. And I said to my family, we need to go to church in the morning. So we got up and we came to your church. And I asked him, I said, let me ask you a question. Why did you come? I thought he'd say, well, I'd heard that there was such good singing. I wanted to come. That's not what he said. He said, I heard there was good preaching. (laughs) That's not why I came. That's not what he said. You know what he said? I'm going to give you his quote. He said, I was hoping that the presence of God would hit me in the face. I thought, Lord, what if he'd only heard good singing? What if he'd only heard good preaching? But what if he had not encountered the presence of God? You know, he was saved. His wife was saved. His children were saved. Let me tell you something, friend. What is my vision for this church? That Jesus will be in the house. And when they heard that he was in the house, the house was filled and running over with people. Here's the second thing I see in this miracle. The word of God was preached. Look what it says here. Now, Jesus is in the house, and it's crowded, and everybody wants to see Jesus and get touched by Jesus. And look, let's look at verse 2. Immediately, many gathered together, so there was no longer room to receive them, even at the door. And listen to what Jesus did. He preached the word to them. You know, I guess Jesus just took Isaiah, where for prophesied about his death on the cross. I guess he took about how God created people in the image, uh, in God's image. But Jesus preached the word unto them. Now let me say something to you. A church is not a church unless the word of God is preached with power and authority and boldness and without compromise. You don't come to church to hear stories or to hear some of the, the latest political or social philosophy I could care less about that. Listen, the only thing that changes lives is the living, omnipotent, powerful word of the living God. And when we come, we come to hear the word of God. The word of God explained, the word of God proclaimed without compromise, without compromise. Everybody says you've got to be politically correct. If Jesus had been politically correct, he would have never been to the cross. They crucified him because he wasn't politically correct. Because he spoke the truth in love, regardless of what the situation was. And we're to love people, and we're to preach the truth in love. But we can let nobody, no pressure ever keep us from declaring the whole counsel of the living God. This is his word, and it must be proclaimed without boldness. And if people are offended, they're offended by God and not by us. Now, if we're sarcastic and we don't love people, that's another story. 
But if in love with a broken heart you say, but listen, God loves you. And if you die in your sins, you'll go to a Christless hell. Listen, the word of God needs to be preached. And the reason we're in trouble in America today is people say we've got to make the Bible relevant. Let me tell you something. It was relevant 2,000 years ago, and it's relevant today. Well, I've got to explain it. You, you just preach the word of God and see what God does. You know what Leonard Ravenhill said? One of these days, a simple man is going to pick up the Bible. He's going to read it, and he's going to believe it, and he's going to obey it, and all of us are going to be embarrassed. I've had enough people write me and tell me what God can't do. I've got a book that tells me what God can do. And so I'm telling you, the church that I'm praying for is a church where Jesus is in the house and where the word of God is preached. But I want you to notice the next thing. Look at verse 3. This, is, this really moved me. And oh, it gave me a picture of what God wants us to be. It says in the third verse here, it says, They came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. Word got out that Jesus is over at the house on 2664 Solly Road. They tell me the word of God is preached there without compromise, boldly with the power of the Holy Spirit. But you know, they tell me that people can get help there. They can get help there. They're not going to be judged. They're not going to be condemned. It's a safe place where they can experience the love of God and acceptance by God. Yes, but they can be helped. And you don't help a person unless you tell them the truth. Well, these, these, these four men heard that Jesus was in the house and they knew all the people that Jesus healed and all the miracles that Jesus had performed. And so they go and one man gets one corner of the bed, another gets the other corner of the bed, one gets the other corner, one gets the other corner. And they bring that man to Jesus. Folks, it's not about bringing people to religion. That's not it. It's not bringing people to some type of ceremony. or No, listen. It's all about getting people to Jesus. That's what it's all about. And I saw the picture here of the church. One man could have not have carried that man on a stretcher, on a bed, and got him to Jesus. Two men couldn't have done it. Three men. You know what? It took all four men. Working together in unity to get that man to Jesus. You know, individually, we are a part of the church. Individually, we are. But corporately, we're part of the body of Christ. And every member in that body has a responsibility to carry their part of the bed. What's your corner of the bed? We're not going to get that man to Jesus if everybody doesn't do their part. We're not going to reach the unsaved and unchurched young families with children around here. We're not going to reach, the, 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 reach those that are culturally prosperous and blessed. We're not going to reach the down and outs and the up and outs unless we work together in unity, in unity and in oneness. And together, all four of us take our part of the bed and we see to it that we bring people to Jesus. 
Why, why do you want me to? You say, I want you to go to Luke 4, 18 with me. Why do you want me to go? Well, it's a loving place. It's a safe place. But I tell you, I want you to go. You can meet Jesus there. And you know, he can forgive you. He can help free you from your bitterness and anger. He can help turn your life around in a new direction. Oh, I make no apology. I want you to go because I believe there you'll be loved and accepted. And I believe there you'll meet Jesus. I, I want you to come to Jesus. That, that's what it's all about. Hey, listen, give us the spirit of these four men. Listen, they, 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 they could have said, we, we can't take this, man. We got to go get a good seat. We can't go and listen, there's such a big crowd. We won't probably get out by 12 o'clock. They'll stay too long. We, we can't do that. They, we, we don't want to be inconvenienced. Brother, it inconvenienced them. But they picked him up. And they carried him on that bed. And they got him to Jesus. I tell you, you get people to Jesus, you'll never do, be disappointed. Jesus Christ will do what he came to do. Let me tell you, you have never got worried about Jesus failing on his part. It's a matter of us getting people to Jesus. Oh, listen, here's a, here's a church where it was noise that God was in the house. And the word of God was preached with boldness to them. And there, there were four men who said, it's not enough for us to go. We've got to take this man with us. We've got to take him with us. He'll never get to Jesus. He'll never be transformed. He'll never be helped. Jesus is his only hope. Let me tell you something. You know people, and I know people. I'm telling you, they will never be what God wants them to be until they have an encounter with Jesus Christ. They can read books. They can go to seminars. They can go to session. They can go to counseling, and I'm not against that. But until they meet Jesus... They will never be transformed by the power of God. It's all about getting people to Jesus. But I want to show you the fourth thing. Boy, this is so important that we hear this. They overcame all opposition by the power of Jesus. Look at the fourth verse. Man, and they could not come near him because of the crowd. Now, here they come, and, and I, I, I guarantee you this, they were carrying a man that was dead weight on this, on this bed, and, and they got there, and, and they were, not only was the house running over, but there were people all around the house, and they were crowded, and they said, we can't get there. We can't get there. Look at all the people. There's not any room in the house. We can't get there. I guess we, we can just stop here. And, and they looked at the man on the bed and said, we tried, we tried, but we ran into difficulty. We ran into problems, and we couldn't get you there. One of the men holding one side of the bed said, you don't understand. You don't understand. We've got to get there. We can't let anything stop us. We've got to get him to Jesus. Listen, you and I can let this bed down, and we can walk away, but I'll tell you, if we let this bed, bed down, this man has no hope. He has no hope. There's no one. We cannot let anything stop us from getting him to Jesus. Don't get discouraged. They may say, I'm not interested in religion. You say, I'm not either. I'm interested in Jesus. They may give you all kind of exp explanations, but don't give up. You just keep praying for him, praying for him. 
crying out to God for them. You keep loving them. You keep doing acts of kindness for them. And then every opportunity you have, you make an effort to bring them to Jesus. You say, but Brother Fred, I'm, they're not listening. Listen, don't give up. Don't get discouraged. Don't quit. Let me show you how determined these men were. They not only got to the house, but somehow, <laughs> I'd like to have seen this. They got him on the roof of the house with that bed. I climb a ladder with a light bulb in my hand and about break my neck. And, and they, here they go up that ladder with this guy. It's a flat roof, thank God. And they, they somehow get him on the roof. And then they start tearing the roof open. I'm glad that wasn't a Baptist house. They said, who was that making all that noise? I'm distracted. Oh, I don't like that. Somebody's up there on the roof. What? Somebody go up there and stop them people on the roof. No, they got the roof open. And they let him down. And there he was at the feet of the only person that could help him. The feet of the only person that could change him. They did what they could. They got him to Jesus. They weren't stopped. They got him to Jesus. Please don't give up on the people God's put in your life. Don't do that. If you don't, if you give up on them, they'll lay on that bed. One day they'll die without Christ. And it may not be the bed of affliction. It may be a, the bed of bondage or the bed of fear. Who knows what it is? But we must get them to Jesus. Let me tell you how the devil, what will try to stop us from getting people to Jesus. Number one, the devil will try to stop us. He'll, he'll try to deceive us. He'll try uh, to discourage us. He'll do everything he can to put a roadblock in us. Let me tell you something. If you're going the same way the devil's going, you're not going to have any problem with him. But when you start going in, in the other direction and you start pe bringing people out of darkness into light and out of the kingdom of, of, of Satan to the kingdom of God, let me tell you something. It, we're in a war. We're in a battle. And it's called with the world, the flesh, and the devil. And if you think it's going to be easy to reach people for Christ, easy to grow a strong, holy New Testament church here, you are dead wrong because we're in a war until Jesus comes. And you can, you can expect that. The world, you can expect the devil, you can expect the world system, and you can expect the flesh to try to keep us from doing what we're doing. You know, all I can say is this. I want us to walk in love. I want us to live in love. I want us to preach the truth in love. I don't want us to compromise, but I want to tell you right now, we're not here to win the approval of this world. We're here to win the approval of the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope people will say, those are nice folks down there. But that really is not the issue with me. I hope God will say, those are my people down there. And they're doing what I call them to do. And they're bringing people to Jesus. Listen, we're not in a popularity contest. We're in a race where we want to please God. Here's the fourth thing. I'm almost through. I can't believe how quick I'm preaching. Great day alive. First of all, Jesus was in the house. Oh, God, every time we gather, 
fill this house, Jesus, with your presence. The word of God was preached with authority and out compromise. Grant it, Lord. And people brought people to Jesus. They brought people to Jesus, and they were not discouraged. They didn't give up. They didn't quit. They kept being steadfast in the power of the Lord. But then, yet this is, this is the heart of it all, y'all. The message of salvation was proclaimed. You know what Jesus said to that man? Look, if you would, in verse 5. Now, don't miss this. It says, when, he saw, when Jesus saw their faith, he saw the faith of the four men. He saw the faith that they didn't give up and they weren't discouraged and they didn't quit. They went up on the roof, opened it up, and let the man down in his presence. But then it says, when he saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, wait a minute. Jesus, you don't understand. This man's greatest need is not to have his sins forgiven. <laughs> this man's greatest need for him to be healed and to be able to get up and walk. Jesus knew that was absolutely wrong. God heals people, and he wants people to be healed. Amen? But I'm going to tell you something. If you don't, if you don't get saved... If your sins aren't forgiven, you can get healed and die and go to hell. There's some things more important than physical healing. It's the eternal soul of a man or a woman. Yes, we pray for the sick, but under God, we better pray for those who are sick in their soul. And that sin has got them in its grip. The message of salvation is all about this, that Jesus Christ came and he came on a mission. And that mission was to die for the sins of a fallen race. To die for the sins of you and me. Jesus Christ did not go to the cross just to heal people. That was part of it. He did not go to the cross just to deliver people. That was a part of it. He had to go to the cross so you could be forgiven of your sins. See, it's all about forgiveness. He said, sir... Your sins are forgiven. The scribe said, well, only God can forgive sin. Well, guess who Jesus is? <laughs> He's God. And he said, so you'll know I have the power to give sin. Why don't you just take your bed and walk? Let me tell you what the gospel is. Let me tell you what the message of salvation is. Every one of us has sinned and come short of the glory of God. I have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. We all, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And we're all sinners. Sinners by nature and sinners by choice. All have sinned. There's none righteous. But the Bible goes on to say that the wages of sin, the wages of sin is death. Jesus said to the scribes and Pharisees, if you do not believe I am he, you will die in your sins so we know that we have a sin problem we know that the wages of sin is death but oh the great news is this jesus bore our sins in his body on the cross do you realize that 
As he hung there suspended between heaven and earth, your sin and my sin was placed on the Son of God. All sin, past, present, and future, was born on that cross by the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says God made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might know the righteousness of God in him. Listen, the only hope of your forgiveness, the only hope of your forgiveness is to realize that you are a sinner and that you deserve hell, but that Jesus Christ died on the cross in your place. He took every one of your sins, every one of them. He died for them. He took the wrath of God upon himself. And now God raised him from the dead. And listen to what the Bible says. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If, we will, if, you will, if you will confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Let me tell you something. Salvation is not in the church. It's not in the catechism. It's not in baptism. It's in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only one who died for your sins. He was the only one that was raised for your justification. And he's the only one that can forgive you. So you throw your mercy, you throw yourself on the mercy of God. God be merciful to me a sinner. And you look to Jesus and Jesus only to save you. And he can save you because he died for you and rose for you. Salvation is in no other person than Jesus Christ. No, it's in the church, Brother Fred. No, it's not. You say it's in good works. It is not. Neither is our salvation in any other. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. I think a good moral person is going to go to heaven. Well, you're wrong. If a good moral person could go to heaven, first of all, there's not many good moral people. If a good moral person could go to heaven, why did Jesus die on the cross? Why did he shed his blood? Why did he suffer in such anguish and cry, my God, why have you forsaken me? You notice the message of salvation was preached. Sir, your sins are forgiven. Man, I, I love this this miracle now is going to just go inspire me every time I read it. I'm going to say, well, God, I'm praying that you'll be in the house. And I pray that the word of God will be preached in this place. And I, I, I pray, Lord, that uh, people will take their end of the stretcher, the end of the bed, and bring people to Jesus. And I pray that we won't let anything stop us, Lord. The world, the flesh of the devil, they'll not stop us from doing what you've called us to do and to be. And I pray, God, that every time people come, they'll be told how to be saved. Listen, people need to grow spiritually, but you can't grow till you're born. A baby has to be born before he can grow. It begins at salvation and continues with sanctification as you grow in Jesus. Here's the, the last thing. And to me, it's probably it's one of the most important. Look in the 12th chapter. And look down at verse um, 11. It says, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he arose and took up the bed. Went out of the presence of them all. Now listen at this. So they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. Here's the last thing. When people ask you, tell me about Luke 4.18. 
tell me about your church. Would you tell me about it? He said, well, let me just say this to you. The only way I can explain Luke 4.18 is that God is at work. God's at work. It says they were amazed. They were amazed because they'd never seen anything like that before. And we want people, they say, well, what is it about Luke 4.18? We said there are a lot of wonderful churches. We, we don't compare with them and we don't compete with them. But all I can say to you about our church, the only way I can explain it, is God is present. And God's doing all what only God can do. It's not Brother Fred. It's not Brother Ed. It's not the choir. Let me, let me just tell you, the only way I can explain Luke 4.18 is God. I'm amazed at what God is doing. I'm amazed at the people God is saving. I'm amazed at the people that are being healed. I'm amazed at the people that are being delivered. Well, how do you explain it? Let me, I've told you the explanation is it's, it's the work of God. The only way you can explain this body is that God, that God is at work. And we are giving him all of the glory. Folks, listen. This world is dark. It is dark. And it's getting darker. But God's placed a light at 2664 Solly Road. But we just can come here and be religious and have services. Or we can say, no, we're going to be the church that Jesus died for. The church that Jesus rose for. And the church where Jesus is welcome. And the church where Jesus is doing what he came to do, Luke 4, 18. And we're going to be a place where people come to Jesus and are helped. They rise, throw off whatever's got them bound, and they walk. And people are amazed. For they've never seen anything like this before.